Welcome back to Random Book Club Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Van. With me today is Donovan McMullen. Joining me for Chapter 3. Don, how you doing, bro? Good. Good to have you here. Great. How are you doing? How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing great, dude. I cut my lawn tonight. Took me, took me a little bit longer because you got to bag the grass so the dogs don't eat the grass and puke in the house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, 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 I got so those sad. little yip-yip dogs that like to just eat all the grass cat clippings. Dogs. Yeah. Little cat dog throwing up hairballs. So um, speaking of uh, cutting the grass and kind of getting things done, after last week's episode, I was thinking, okay, I need to – read the rest of this book or listen to it. I listened to the entire book, loved it. And so this is the end of the podcast. No, just kidding. Um, basically we have set up, we have spent so much time going into all the nitty gritty detail of establishing who Geralt is, what this world is. I think now we can put on the, the jet pack and start blowing through these chapters. And my goal is to do the entire chapter three, the voice of reason, uh, and all six parts of the chapter in this one episode, and I think we can do it in an hour. We're going to switch the format up, bro. Are you okay with that? Yeah, totally, 100%. Okay, Try so um, I think I think it'll be okay. You guys let us know if, if you don't like it or whatever, but I think we got the nitty-gritty details done, and now we just want to hear these cool-ass stories because I want to get to The Last Wish, which is the sixth uh, chapter, The Last Story. So, in order to do that, we have to start with chapter three. Here we go. The Voice of Reason. Summary. So, now we're back in the temple of uh, Melitola, with Geralt and Nenica being approached by two knights from the Order of the White Rose. And Sounds fancy. Here is from, from the book. I'm Falwick, Count of Mern, and this knight is Tales from Dorndal. Geralt bowed courteously, looking at the knights. Both wore armor and crimson cloaks with the emblem of the white rose on their left shoulder. He was somewhat surprised as, so far as he knew, there was no commandery of that order in the neighborhood. Nenica, to all appearances, smiling lightheartedly and at ease, noticed his surprise. Noticed that Geralt was like, "Uh, I didn't know the order of the white rose had knights, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, or is anywhere around here to throw men at? Yeah. So then, um, Nenica says this: "These nobly born gentlemen," she said casually, settling herself more comfortably in her throne-like armchair, "are at the service of Duke Herivard, uh, who governs these lands most mercifully." And then, Tales goes, "Prince." The younger of the two knights corrects her emphatically, fixing hostile, pale blue eyes on the priestess, Prince Herivard. Let's not waste time on details and titles. Nenica smart, smiled mockingly. So Nenica's introducing Geralt to these two knights. Geralt's like, uh, I didn't know that there was like freaking knights with the Order of the White Rose. And Nenica's just like, yeah, guess what? They, uh, yeah, the um, the Duke Herivard basically paid a bunch of money to the Order of the White Rose so that he could get some knights. And here they are. And then the, or- the knight... The young knight guy's like, uh, it's Prince. Excuse me. It's Prince, not Duke. And it's like, he's a Duke, but because he paid a bunch of money, he became Prince. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so title. at this point, we have two knights kind of squaring off against Geralt and Nenica. 
Geralt is playing it cool, but throwing in little remarks about, oh, how honored he is to meet these two knights of the White Order, you know? And, um, yep. Yep. but Nenica. Passive aggressive Geralt. <laughs> yep. But <laughs> super passive aggressive. But Nenica isn't having it. She gives us some information, explains why the knights have come, including that Duke slash Prince Harivard has invested a substantial amount of coin into the White Rose Order. And that's why he has knights in his retinue. Uh, Tailies, the younger of the two knights, comes off as a brat, constantly correcting Nenica in her opinions of the Duke Prince, who wants the Witcher to leave as soon as possible. So the reason why they're there is they're basically telling Geralt, you need to leave because uh, Prince Harivard wants you out. Nenica tells the knights that Geralt is her guest and he will leave when it pleases him, continuing by saying that she generally doesn't try to ruffle any feathers with Harivard, but he has no power in her temple. Checking him, being like, hey, I don't... I mean, if Harivard wants to play bitch. Prince... Go ahead. <laughs> Listen here, bitch. That's yeah. what she's saying. She's like, hey... If Harvard wants to be Prince, whatever. But he's not telling me who's coming in my temple, dog. This is Melitola's temple, dude. Sounds so, like a bar name. Welcome to Melitola's. Yep, Melitola's. like a menu? Just the two of you tonight? Just the two? Okay, well, you can leave. We have nothing for you. We have insults, if you want those. Don't tell me who can eat here. The knights don't agree with her, but Geralt turns to Falwick, who he assumes is the more level-headed because he's older. Falwick is the other knight, and says that he will leave in a few days anyway, and that he's ready to move on, and he isn't even there to do work. He's just there on personal business. Turns out that Falwick hates the Witcher too, but is much more polite about it. <laughs> Falwick, <laughs> Falwick asks for forgiveness for the eager youth's unpleasant manner, but makes it clear that Prince Harivard doesn't want Geralt, or doesn't care if Geralt is hunting monsters or not. He wants him out. The chapter of the Order won't tolerate the presence of the Butcher of Blaviken for one more day. So I called you after this chapter and I was like, oh, Geralt's the Butcher of Blaviken. Because I've always heard that term, you know, the Butcher of Blaviken yep. or whatever. And we're going to read that story about the Butcher of Blaviken. Turns out it's Geralt. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's a nice little call out. Oh, it's Geralt. Oh, he he's also, a psychopath. Uh, uh, Falwick, the knight, also mentions that one of the reasons why they need to get Geralt out of here is because there are wizards that are rebelling and writing petitions, and the druids are threatening to do something and uh, if the witcher still <laughs> hangs around. So all these wizards, knowing ones, and druids are like, um, there's a witcher here? Get him out. I'm going to write a petition, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. It's like, damn, Geralt, what have you done? <laughs> So he smells and he has an accent. He's got that crazy Rivian accent, dude. Yeah, yeah. This so, is so hard to understand. That's what it is. He's like Boom Howard. <laughs> hey, come on, man. I'm not going to hold any monsters around here, man. They're like, listen, we're not going to listen to a witch over the next six hours. Yeah, we cannot stand this guy. No, he sounds cool. We know he sounds cool. So Nenica doesn't like, like Nenica doesn't like the demands uh, that they're telling her and tells them that they can kick rocks. But Geralt steps in and tries one last time to be somewhat reasonable and says he doesn't want to be the cause of any trouble. You know, he pulls his Jackie Chan again. I don't want trouble. I don't want trouble. That he will leave in three days' time. Young Tailey's voice cracks as he then yells at them for insulting his lord again. 
He goes on about how he isn't going to listen to a charlatan and that he, a knight of the white rose, and like he, he's oh. like going so on. So he doesn't and, even think witchers have spells. Like that's okay. Because I feel like these people don't understand that witchers have spells. A lot of people that are like, oh, I could take a witcher. And then they're like, well, when okay, he's, I'm going to use a spell. Okay. So I don't think when he says, back. I don't think mm, I, when uh, Knight Tali is saying this charlatan, I think he's referring to Nenica because Nenica at this point was like, a, she was like, you quit being a brat. I was the one who like, um, uh, helped you help you birth. What do you call that when you're, when you're one of those, uh, nurses that midwife? midwife. Yeah. She was the midwife for this young knight. And it was like, Hey, I got you into this world, dude. Quit being such a brat. <laughs> and, um, he's like, well, my Lord, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know, if your Lord still wants to have his, you know, uh, magic, uh, um, uh, what do you call the thing that, you know, like, uh, the blue pill, you know what I'm talking about? Viagra. It's like magic Viagra and stuff like that. She makes that for him, not the knight, but for uh, the Harvard guy. And she's like, yeah. and if you don't watch it, I'm going to like cast a spell on you or something like that. And so I think when he says that he's not going to listen to a charlatan, I think he's talking about Nenica because she was about to whip okay. out some spells. But I could be wrong. He could be talking about Geralt. Um, obviously they know the Witcher is real because, um, you know, the wizards and druids well, they are petitioning. Know, they know he's real. I just, I don't think people understand how strong he can be. Maybe yeah. that's why he hides the potions. He doesn't let anybody see him drink the potions and shit. Yeah. Like, that, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they just think he's just a normal dude, right? That can just fight well. That's it. Yeah. So then, uh, when the knight, the young knight tallies, goes on about how he isn't going to listen to the charlatan and that he, and this is how he says it, a knight of the white rose, like he's boasting himself <laughs> up and then Geralt cuts him off and calls him a brat straight up. He's like, shut up, you brat tells him to shut his mouth and that sh he should have more respect for Nenica. And I was like, yeah, Geralt, you go. So Tally's, uh, Tally's grew pale and reached to his side. The, the young knight. Oof. So, so then, um, here's where Geralt comes in. Sir Falwick. What? 18 round Glock. Yeah, he's about blah, to blah, 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 goes blah, to his blah, side. So Geralt, Geralt's been kind of talking to this um this this older knight Falwick, being kind of like the voice of reason, right? And he so Tally's uh grew pale and reached to his side. Sir Falwick, said Geralt, not ceasing to smile. If he draws his sword, I'll take it from him and beat his snotty nosed uh, beat the snotty-nosed little brat's arse with the flat of his blade, and then I'll batter the door down with him. So he's like, tell your boy he better cool off or I'm going to get him. So Tally's, his hands shaking, pulled an iron gauntlet from his from his belt and with a crash threw it to the ground at the witcher's feet. I'll wash away the insult to the order with your blood, mutant, he yelled. On beaten ground, go into the yard. And then Nenica comes in. You've dropped something, son, Nenica said calmly. So pick it up. We don't leave rubbish here. <laughs> oh, Nanny. So Felwick has to restrain Tailies at this point because then he freaks out and is like, no, I'm going to fucking fight. You know? And they head off. 
as the younger knight vows that this isn't the last visit, that they will be back. And that leads us up to our first part of the story, Lesser Evil. So that was it for The Voice of Reason, which is just that uh, framing chapter. And um, we were talking before the podcast started. It's actually a good story. We, we've met this young knight now, and he comes back, and we're going to see a really cool fight between them. Yeah. But first, we have to figure out who the Butcher of Blaviken is, right? So we go into... Do um, we? Well, you're right. Let's talk about people. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, let's talk about who the butcher is. Let's talk about who the butcher is. The butcher. Uh, he, he gives you really Geralt. Good, it is Geralt. Um, why is it Geralt? Why is it Geralt? Why is he the butcher? Yep. Well, we're about yep. to find out. How did you learn? We're about to find out, right? Absolutely. In chapter three. Here we go. Summary. As usual, cats and children noticed him first. A striped tomcat sleeping on a sun-warmed stack of woods shuddered, raised his round head, pulled back his ears, and hissed and bolted off into the nettles. Three-year-old Dragomir, fisherman Trigla's son, who was sitting on the hut's threshold during his doing his best to make dirtier an already dirty shirt, started to scream as he fixed <laughs> his tearful eyes on the passing rider, sees Geralt, and goes, Meh, you know what I mean? It's just kind of funny. The witcher rode slowly, without trying to overtake the hay cart obscuring the road. A laden donkey trotted behind him, stretching its neck constantly pulling on the cord tied to the witcher's pommel. In addition to the usual bags, the long-eared animal was lugging a large shape wrapped in a saddlecloth on its back. The gray-white flanks of the ass were covered with black streaks of dried blood. And I thought that was just kind of a cool opening to this uh, chapter where... Witcher's coming into town, and once again, animals running off. Kids are crying. And on his donkey, something's bleeding on the donkey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something's bleeding on the donkey. He's got it wrapped up in a blanket, and it's just bleeding onto the donkey. So you know he's got a kill, which is cool. So on the eve of market day, Geralt rides into Blaviken with a Kikimora carcass in tow. He seeks out... Caldemain, the town's alderman, which is basically kind of like a, a sheriff, and to try to get a reward for the dead critter. He's out of luck, though, and Caldemain uh, suggests throwing the carcass in the local cesspool. However, one of the town guards, Carrie Pebble, mentions that the local wizard, Master Irion, might fancy a look at the creature. All agree it's worth a try, and they head to Irion's tower to find the mage. So... We, we get an, that's a really sh shrunk down version of what happened, but we get introduced to Caldemain, the alderman, who's actually really cool. He's just this old boisterous dude, um, and knows Geralt and is cool with Geralt, which I like. It's nice to have a character that actually likes Geralt. I think this is one of our first times being introduced or at least to that. Knows him. Yeah. Partial. It's like, yeah. oh, Geralt, man, that's you, dude? What you got on the back there? And then Geralt's like, I got a Kikimora. Are you guys going to pay for that? And he's like, dude, no. Throw it in the cesspool. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> like, we don't want that shit. We're not paying you, dude. Wait a minute. What about the mage? Yeah, and the then mage? Carrie Pebble's like, oh, excuse me, my lord. Uh, what about the mage, <laughs> hero? And he's like, oh, so yeah. This is, this is, spoiler alert, where Netflix decides to open up their season one. Which is really cool. It, I haven't seen the Netflix right yet, here. but please do insert Netflix little 
things here, the differences that you see, because I think that it'll be cool to see what the differences are. Wait, so, okay, so Netflix, this story, is this all of season one, this one story? No, not all season one, but maybe the first two episodes. I haven't seen it in a while now, but I would say the first two or three episodes is this, this okay. big, long story. But this is where they start. It's literally him riding in the town of the horse and a Kikimora on the back with dried blood. The Kikimora. All it's right. It's just dripping, I think. Yeah. That was part one. Moving on to part two. Oh, my God. Out of part 55s. The tower built from smoothly hewn blocks of granite and crowned by tooth-like battlements was impressive, dominating the broken tiles of the homesteads and dipping roofed thatched cottages. So they're talking about going to this wizard tower, and it looks awesome. When they approach the door, Caldemain knocks on the fish-headed shaped knocker and announces himself and Geralt. At first, nothing happens, but then smoke begins to billow out from the fish-headed knocker and... An answering machine-like message says that the wizard isn't receiving people today and they should be gone, good people. Geralt gets annoyed (laughs) and says that he's killed a Kikimora and there's probably more uh, in the swamps and it is the wizard's duty to protect the village that they're there, but whatever. And then a completely different voice comes from the fish's head and, and probably it's Master Irion himself and says, Geralt, is that really you? The disembodied voice sends Caldemain and Carry Pebble away and invo- invites Geralt in alone. So it's like g- they show up to this sweet ass wizard tower, and Geralt makes a mention like, "Whoa, dang! Like last time I was here, it didn't look like this." Because he's heard of this knowing one. Uh, the dude was like two hundred years old, you know, and um, he's like, "Wow, it looks like he did some renovations." And Caldemain's like, "Yeah, you know, he works on it. That's what he does." You know, he's the wizard of the area. And we kind of learn that this, like, this wizard kind of takes care of um, Blaviken. You know, like, just minor things here and there. And so when they roll up to the house, he knocks on the door and and uh, they just don't get an answer. It's just funny. Like, the, the answer that they get is just this fish head automatically recorded message saying. It's a Billy Bass. It's a Billy it's, Bass. Yes, it's too. Billy the Big Mouth Bass. Yeah. And then finally, Geralt's like, you know what? It's your duty, wizard, to watch over these people. But this is why witchers and wizards don't get along. Because you don't do crap, dude. And then you can tell that something happened where the fish, like, actually looked at him or something like that. And so then the wizard's like, oh, dude, is Geralt. I need to talk to him. So he invites him in. (laughs) So Master Irion is far more interested in Geralt than in some Kikimora carcass. However, when Geralt steps inside the tower, he steps straight into an illusion. Geralt walks through the door. The door closes behind him. It's complete blackness. And Geralt's like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) But then all of a sudden, the wizard, he sees the wizard, and he's surrounded by a veritable garden of Eden, complete with naked young woman casually picking apples. This scene reminded me of The Matrix, when Neo goes into the Matrix for the first time and the guy's like, hey, you see the lady in the white dress or the red dress? Red dress, yeah. That one's mine. This is very much like that. It reminded me of that because there's this naked young lady running around and the wizard's like, hey, man, like, if you want to partake, dude. And <laughs> Geralt's like, no, dude. Um, so Geralt recognizes the man as Stregobor, 
a mage whom he last seen in King Idy's court in Kovir, and not Master Irion at all. So, um, Stragabor is actually just a regular ass knowing one that Geralt already knows, but this guy is um, pretending to be Master Irion in this town because the locals don't know any different. Right, of course not. The wizard explains that since he's occupying Irion's tower, that it seemed only fitting tribute to call himself by that name. It also didn't hurt that uh, it concealed his true identity. After a few pleasant... (laughs) What an idiot. What an idiot. Like, yes, it was very, very effective for me to go by that name as I'm taking the tower, but also, yes, it hides who I really am. It's like, oh... So which one is it that you say, okay, you know what? I'm done. That's like, I, I totally understand why Geralt is, is so He hates over. knowing ones. He's he, like, you guys are. He hates them. It's hilarious. It's, awesome. it's absolutely hilarious. Um, so after a few pleasantries, Stregobor finally gets to the point. He pleads for Geralt's help, claiming that a monster is pursuing him, seeking to kill him. After a little bit of prodding, the wizard confesses to Geralt that the monster is in fact a young woman, whom he says was born under the curse of the Black Sun. Geralt scoffs at the idea, calling it absurd. Stregobor begs the Witcher to help him to kill the girl, saying that she is far more a monster than the Kikimora the Witcher recently slew. He insists that it would be the lesser evil to kill her. Geralt refuses and leaves. He doesn't believe in a lesser evil. Yeah, so this is what he said. I, I added this part because I thought is at the end of the chat or at the end of the part, and this is what Geralt thinks about evil, whether something's lesser evil or not. Evil is evil, Stragabor, said the Witcher, seriously as he got up. Lesser, greater, middling, it's all the same. Proportions are negotiated, boundaries blurred. I'm not a, poi- a pious hermit. I've already or I haven't done only good in my life. But if I'm to choose between one evil and another, then I prefer not to choose at all. Geralt doesn't vote, dude. <laughs> ah, it's, the, it's the lesser that's of two evils. That's what you got from that. Yep. Geralt doesn't vote. Geralt will not vote in this election. Um, but I, I thought that was really cool it, it, where he's he's trying to be like, dude, evil's evil straight up. You let a little bit go by, it gets bigger. You let a big one go by, all the little ones come in. Doesn't matter, dude. So he's not even going to choose at all. He's like, let it hash out itself. I'm not going to interfere. Which brings us to part three. Summary. The Golden Court, the country town's elegant inn, was crowded and noisy. The guests, locals, and visitors were mostly engaging in activities typical for their nation or profession. Serious merchants argued with the dwarves over prices of goods and credit interests. Less serious merchants pinched the backsides of the girls carrying beer, cabbage, and beans. Local nitwits pretended to be well-informed. Harlots were trying to please those who had money while discouraging those who had none. Carters and fishermen drank as there, were, as there was no tomorrow. Some seamen were singing a song which celebrated the ocean waves, the courage of captains, and the graces of mermaids, the latter graphically and in considerable detail. So we are in the Golden Court, this sweet-ass inn. <laughs> Basically, all the locals are hanging out here. And this is where we get to meet Renfrey. So meanwhile, Renfrey has entered Blaviken along with her band of miscreants. Geralt meets them all in the tavern of the Golden Court and is about to be drawn into a fight with the miscreants when Renfrey herself steps in. 
She asks Geralt to hear her out, and while they are at it, let to let the alderman know of her plans. She proceeds to explain that she bears a letter from King uh, Alduin, which essentially makes her and her band untouchable, and Caldemain confirms this. So, Witcher walks into the bar, bunch of these miscreants, just these kind of mercenary types, mercs, are kind of calling him out and being like, and, and kind of testing him. And Geralt's like, all right, dude, you want to do this? Let's do this. And then all of a sudden Renfrey comes out and is like, let's actually just talk. And so they're like, they all back down. She explains that she's there to do a specific thing from King Alduin or Alduin. And she's got a writ sealed by the king saying, yeah, I'm untouchable. And Caldemain being the alderman of the town is like, yeah, this is legit. You can't, <laughs> you can't mess with these folk. And so pretty cocky when you uh, can't get killed. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Geralt's like, all right, whatever. Which brings us to part four. He decides to leave. He decides to leave and he goes back to his little attic room. There was some, what you mean under the stairs, right? Harry Potter. Yeah. This is what, what are we reading? Harry Geralt. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And the, the grown up uh, adventures of Harry Potter. Okay. Yeah. Harry yeah. Geralt in, in the story of Roach. <laughs> Part four. In the, in the, in the sorcerer's Roach. There was someone in his little attic room. Geralt knew it before he even reached the door, sensing it through the barely perceptible vibrations in his medallion. He blew out the oil lamp, which he had lit, uh, which had lit up the path of the stairs, pulled the dagger from his boot, slipped into the back, slipped it into the back of his belt, and pressed the door handle. The room was dark, but not for a witcher. He was deliberately slow in crossing the threshold. He closed the door behind him carefully. The next second, he dived at the person sitting in his bed, crushed them into the linen, forced his forearm under their chin and reached for his dagger. He didn't pull it out. Something wasn't right. Not a bad start, said, she said in a muffled voice, lying motionless beneath him. I expected something like this, but I didn't think we'd both be in bed so quickly. Take your hand from my throat, please. It's you. It's me. Now, there are two possibilities. The first, you get off me and we talk. The second, we stay in this position, in which case I'd like to take my boots off at least. The Witcher releases the girl, who sighed, sat up, and adjusted her hair and skirt. It's Renfrey. <laughs> Renfrey freaking yeah. snuck into her attic, or snuck into his attic. Of course. And she is cool as shit, dude. She is. Is not... she though? Is she though? I th I got a really good impression from her. Um, in the when they're in the bar and they're talking to each other. First of all, she stops her band of miscreants from fighting Geralt and is actually cool and saying, hey, here's my plan. This is why I'm here. You really can't do anything about it. I'm letting you know it's all in the clear here. And she's not intimidated by Geralt. But he also, but she also doesn't, like, tease him. You know, like, everybody else is like, oh, you're a Rivian. Uh, you know, she's actually, like, kind of respects him some, in some ways, you know. But see, like, Geralt already knows who she is at this point though mm -hmm. right so she, he's like he knows what the reader doesn't even know yes yeah we we get the idea from this chapter <clears throat> that they know of each other at least that well actually they know of each other very well because what leads into this chat like you don't meet someone on the first day and then do what you're about to do you know what i mean 
Well, maybe you do. I don't know. Uh, no, they do. They do because it's Geralt, the G-Man. The G-Man. But, uh, what, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is like he just got the lowdown from Stregapore. Yep. Right. And where does the the chapter doesn't end on Stregapore just saying I have a monster chasing me? No. The and if it the chapter and if not... it does, then you have to infer that he still tells him all the details. No, Stregapore says that it's a young woman. He says it that she's a monster, more of a monster than the Kikimura that he slew. Saying, yeah, like, you yeah, need yeah. to kill this girl. And, and um, you're telling me that he didn't say the name to Geralt at this point? I'm sure like, he that's, did. I'm sure he did. That's, and that's th- why he knows. Yeah, and that's why he went to the inn to go talk to her. So now we got to talk about he's still going to do it, even though he knows that she's this evil bad monster thing so i mean just i'm just saying throw that out there throw that out there because we got to look at it because a lot of people might not realize we might be like oh well if we're the reader if Geralt's the reader then he doesn't know but it's like no he does he's very smart yeah he's always he's always ahead of everybody so like the fact is is that he already had this conversation i know he got a name right yep in the same way that he knew who um stragabor was as soon as he walked in and Stregobor's going, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm being hunted down by this monstrous woman. And he's like, who is it? Is it Renfrey? Okay, we'll go talk to Renfrey. And then he yeah, walks yeah, in. Yeah, 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 and yeah. basically, these miscreants that she's with are all part of her new posse. She used to be on her own, but she got a posse with her now. And so they're all testing Geralt because they don't really know Geralt, but she does. So she just kind of sees how they react and all that kind of shit. You know, all this weird macho yeah. testing thing. And so she... <laughs> You know, she gets her, you know, knickers in a bundle and she goes meets him in the attic. You know? So Geralt yeah, so. senses her or senses something in the attic and jumps on it and then realizes it's probably her. And then she's just all really cool about it. She's like, hey, we can do one of two things. We can talk or I'm going to need to take off my boots. So that night when Geralt withdraws to his attic room at Caldemain's uh, home, he finds Renfrey has beaten him there. They talk. The young woman proceeds to tell the Witcher her life story. She also compares Stregobor to the Kikimora that Geralt brought into town. So both of them gave the sap story. And both of them say the other one's the monster. Her story is kind of interesting. And it's kind of like a Snow White and the Seven Dwarves-ish kind of thing. Where um, she was like a princess. And then it was like an illegitimate birth or I don't know. Something like that. And basically... Um, they have a huntsman take her out into the woods and she gets away, away from the huntsman, uh, at, but kills him. I think, I think he killed. Right. Yeah. She yeah. Kills him. No, no, he kills him because yeah. he tried to do something to her and that's how she got away. And she, yeah. And so then she kind of was raised by, um, dwarves. Yeah. Yep. And then basically makes it her life mission to get back at, the person who um, got her Stregobor kicked out because she was Stregobor. born on the black moon or whatever, yep. the full, full moon. So Stregobor, full. Stregobor's story is that she's trying to kill him out of nowhere. Her story is that Stregobor has actually been doing assassination attempts on her life ever since she was a little girl. And like both seem not completely telling the full truth, but I am more on Renfrey's side than Stregobor. I don't want Stregobor to die, but I don't want Renfrey to die either. You know, 
Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Stra- she's she compares Stragabor to the Kikimura, just like Stragabor did for her, uh, and saying that he is worse monster and offers Geralt the same deal Stragabor did: choose the lesser evil, kill the other, receive any reward within reason. Geralt refuses again. He pleads with Renfri to forgive Stragabor to prove to the wizard and the alleged that the alleged curse uh, was wrong. So, like, the wizard thinks that because she's cursed, there's no she can't. She's just a monster and she will always kill and she will always do these bad things. And he's like, hey, prove you're not a monster. I know you're not a monster. Just forgive his ass and get away, you know. She refuses, but before she leaves, she gives the impression that she and her band will leave town peacefully, possibly to meet Stragabor somewhere else for a final showdown. So she's like, all right, I hear what you're saying, girl. You know what? Now's not the right time. I'll take my boys. We'll roll. I'm still going to go after Stragabor, but we'll make this one fine. And then she and Geralt make love. <laughs> Very creepy how you said that. Yeah. yeah, well, <clears throat> it's just like, I don't know. It, it was just kind of a, it's, I don't know. It's cool. It's cool to see Geralt getting with somebody in complicated stories where it's like, this person says this, this person says that. And it looks like everything's on the up and up. She's going <laughs> to, she's going to leave town and Hey, before I leave, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow. Why don't we, uh, you know, have a good night, you know? Yeah, she does say she's leaving. Yeah, that is true. So that's cool. She tells him, yeah. So now moving on to the last two parts of the chapter, part five and part six. In the morning, during breakfast with Keldemain and his family, the alderman casually mentions uh, Tridam, which immediately piques the witcher's interest as Renfrey had specifically men- mentioned a certain Tridam ultimatum the night before. When Keldemain... Re- uh, relates the full story, Geralt suddenly realizes what Renfri's real plan is and that she is not in fact preparing to leave the town at all. She plans to use the fact that the local mage in, in any given town is duty-bound to do what he can to protect the town. So she plans to massacre the townsfolk in the yep. marketplace to yep. draw the wizard out. And Geralt's <laughs> like, what the f- and like is like i need to get to the market she is a monster she is a monster she freaking lied to me just to get in my pants she looked at me like a piece of meat so Geralt races immediately to the marketplace and and finds renfrey's band sizing him up so dumb yep he chooses to engage them in battle rather than wait for them to fulfill their plans and start well okay so I mean, this is a little quick part of it, but basically he rolls up into town and he's like, you guys got to stop. Where's Renfri? And they're like, oh, yeah, um, she's uh, talking to the wizard right now. And uh, he's like, well, I need to get to her. He's like, mm, maybe you don't need to get to her. She did want me to tell you something. She wanted me to tell you to choose the lesser of two evils. And then that's when Geralt's like, Ka-ting, snaps and we get into this really cool it like starts the new part where he starts to battle these guys and it is a really yep. cool fight scene and i believe in that's the book. in the book yes in the book they go through it i know i know by cut. i know and netflix tries and they did a good job and it was actually really good i did like the netflix one but yeah reading the book it's always more 
it's crazy to like not have a reference and see that was the difference is I watched the show before I read this book and you are doing a good job of not watching the show and reading the book first. So, well, I have seen that. I have seen that scene because when we, when uh, Witcher was coming on Netflix and everyone was freaking out about how Henry Cavill could never do it. They're like, well, just check this scene out. And they show that scene. So out of context, I'm like, okay, this is a fight scene. And he does like some like magic force push and stuff like that. I'm like, it's cool looking, but I have no idea yeah, what the, is going on. Push. But then so what it, is he a Jedi? Yeah, I get it. He's a Jedi. So, but when you read it in the book, it, it like means a lot more. It's really cool. Yeah. So he chooses to engage them in battle rather than wait for them to fulfill their plans and start killing the townsfolk. Renfrey is not with them as she is trying to lure Stregobor from his tower, but she has left a message for the Witcher. One final plea to side with her. Uh, Sifril decides to finish off the Witcher with a swift crossbow bolt, bolt, but is surprised to learn that the Witcher can deflect these mid-flight with his blade. Then he orders the band to close ranks and charge the Witcher yeah, as, one, as, as one. Yeah. Yeah, he can't. Their, yeah. Their plan is quick, quickly and decisively thwarted by Geralt, and, Ren, and Renfri only returns in time to see the last of her men fall. She reveals that Stregobor ignored her ultimatum telling her to do as she will to the townsfolk and the neighboring towns. She then confronts Geralt and they cross blades. I thought that was really cool. So she goes up to say, hey, I'm going to go start burning down these townsfolk and you are duty bound to protect them as the local wizard. And and Stregobor basically yells back to her, like we don't see this scene, but yells back, fuck you, do what you want to the townsfolk. <laughs> I'm not, even, I'm not even Lord Eero or whatever they think I am. You know what I mean? So yeah. Stragabor yeah. is a bitch again. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, of course he is. so she's like, it's Fuck not it. going to be the last time. It's not even going to be the last time he's a bitch too. That's the worst part about it. So she comes back. So the sad thing about this is her guys were carrying out her plan by fighting the Witcher. Because they thought they were going to do this thing where they were going to start killing townsfolk and they were just waiting for her to come back. She comes yeah. back and says, he ignored me. So if the Witcher had shown up five minutes later, there may have not been a massacre. But because of the implication that they were going to make a massacre, he had to do something. He had to do something. And he did. And he killed all those dudes. And they were bad dudes. They were bad dudes. Like we we didn't even get into what um the the Tridam ultimatum was that Caldemain was talking about, but basically it talked about one of one of the badass miscreants in that crew was this elf dude and he was like an outsider from his people and they had basically done the same thing where um they had um started killing townsfolk on this like barge outside of a castle to get the castle doors to open up and give them all the, the money and whatever. And he's they the one talking who, about it too, wasn't he? Yeah. And he was the one who came up with the idea. So they were just going to do that from town to town, I guess, um, either to get money or to get Stragobor. And in this situation, Stragobor just says, Nope, I'm clear. I can just run away. If I have to, you're not getting in my tower. Cause his tower is fucking magical as fuck, which is really cool. So she leaves but then as soon as she walks up, the last of her band is decimated by Geralt. He had to do it because they shot a crossbow bolt at him. You know, 
who shot first? Was it Han or was it, you know, this is all going back to Star Wars again. You know, Definitely was it Greedo not. or Han? In this case, you know, uh, uh, Sivril or whatever, the, the miscreant guy, shot the crossbow and Geralt deflects it and is like, all right, game on, homie. So now they have to fight. And Geralt's saying, we don't have to fight. He's telling her. He's like, okay, it didn't work. You're going to get Stragobor someday in the future. Just drop it. But she's like, no, it's you had to make a choice, you know? And it's like, well, let's let's read on. Um let's see. Uh when it's all over, Stragobor approaches Okay, yeah, so they cross blades and um Geralt base ends up having to kill her. He while they're fighting, he's talking to her and saying, like, you don't have to do this, you know. And he really, you can tell he's really rooting for her, but the fact that she is so blinded by this, you know, kind of does make her a monster, I guess. So when it's all over, Stragobor approaches after it's all said and done. And he's intent on performing an autopsy on the girl's body, on Renfri's body, to prove that his theory was that the curse was the cause of her having these powers and all that kind of crap. But what's surprising, but surprising even himself, Geralt refuses to let him touch her body. Stragobor leaves telling the Witcher that he's free to follow uh, just as the town folks began hurling rocks at the Witcher. Geralt protects himself with the the sign of Quen until Keldemain orders them to stop. That is, however, the last favor the Alderman plans to extend Geralt as he tells the Witcher to leave Blaviken and never come back. So our homie um, Keldemain comes in and is like, you just butchered all these dudes. You need, hey, dude, you should probably go. You need to get the <laughs> fuck out. And it's interesting because after he kills her, Renfri, Stragobor comes up and is like, hey, let's let's open her up. Let's find out if she was actually cursed. <laughs> and Geralt's like, dude, you are such a freaking dweeb, dude. It, yeah, it, it really makes you feel for Geralt because... It's almost like this was a Renfri was another potential good guy, like not a witcher, but she had powers it's like something that was not she like she wasn't a witcher per se, but she had superhuman abilities. And if only they could have hooked up and been like like companions, you know, like that would have been a really interesting thing. Like they both have to deal with people hating them because of their powers or whatever. Did yeah. she, though? Did she have powers? Um. She was quick. I'll give you that. Like she, she was, was very trained. fast. But yes, did, I think I she did have she powers. Um, they they didn't really come out as like super displayed or anything like that. But she was very very fast. Like being able to to match Geralt's fighting abilities. You know. I have people comment if anyone actually knows if she had powers or not. That'd yeah. be a good one to. Because how else? I mean, I I think she did. In, I think she did because. I don't know how else she would have survived all those years, you know? And then actively... Also, you can't attack. Well, she doesn't really survive Carol. Well, she actively hunts down Stragobor, and Stragobor is afraid of her. So she must have some magic nullifying... Yeah, there's some magic nullifying effect or something, right, that she has? Possibly. Something like that, where it's like... Possibly. That's how she can even fight. I kind of got the feel as though she, like, didn't have any abilities, but... 
but she was just ruthless she, AF. Uh, yeah, she was a really good fighter. That was it. That's why Geralt was still able to take her down with no no nothing. No potion, no nothing. He just, eh, all right. I mean, the dude can take down a, a crossbow arrow mid-flight. That's got some torquies behind it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hurts purrs on a, on a bolt action. Well, at, at minimum, <laughs> it's... bolt action and yeah. crossbow. Well, at minimum, it's 80 pounds, right? Like, isn't that the, the lowest uh, poundage you can have on a crossbow? I have no idea. But that's, I mean, yeah, depending on your size, what you want for, like, a hunting bow and stuff. But that's changed with compound but yeah no 80 pounds is about right i mean that's that's a lot to hand pull that's why they had to usually step on it and pull it up yeah that is pretty sweet i like i like old weapons dude old weapons are cool so that's how the that's it that's that's chapter three guys we did it what are we at we're at 45 minutes so what normally would take us like three or four hour long episodes we just did 45 minutes and i think we got it I like it. The yeah. main reason why That's I wanted to short, yeah, it's a good story. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of little details in here where um, this is where this is the 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 book club aspect of this. When we were starting this, we went through every tiny detail because I wanted to establish the world and really get my head wrapped around it. Now I got it, and now we can just get to these awesome stories. And if you like what you're hearing, go back and read it because there's when when they talk about the, the Tridam ultimatum, they go into the whole background of that. Um, she tells her whole story about how she was a princess and how she was like, um, basically tried, they tried to kill her and it was Stragobor who did it and why, you know, those things are all really interesting, but the main nitty gritty of what makes this story good, Geralt does not like to choose sides. He does his own thing. And that comes into play in the next couple chapters because we kind of learn that even though Geralt is a witcher and part of like the witcher crew, he runs his own style. Would you agree with his that? His own style, hundred percent. Yes. Like he's not a regular ass witcher. Like it's he's got like he's got it bad because people think witchers are assholes. Probably because the the witchers they've met have been assholes, and Geralt is an asshole. But he's got some <laughs> like honorable qualities to him where he's kind of. Is he though? Because like I, I understand that. Yes, I would agree that like his attitude is kind of a dick. He is a dick. <laughs> he killed he, some people. He in will the bar. kill you. It, yeah, yeah, he, he did, will he kill did you. Totally. Yeah, and they were being assholes too. But I mean, we're taught to be the bigger man and walk away. But he was just like, nah, I'll, I'll just kill him. Well, in, in this world, blade goes back in. It's really hard to make a story where you feel like there's actual gravity in the danger that you present. What I mean by that is like, you know, if, if someone's able to just kill people left and right, like, and it, and Bro, it seems that like goes, that goes back to my entire point though, of why nobody's afraid of them apparently in this universe. So either they don't really know what a witcher right. is. And that's what I'm thinking is that they hide the fact that they can do spells, right. For the most part. Or it's just a little, I was throwing rocks at a witcher one time and he put a bubble around him and they're like, yeah, whatever. We don't believe you, old lady. You know, like it's just a couple couple of people saying they seen him because usually, you know, no one's around when he's fighting a Kikamura, right? That's by himself. Yep. Nobody's around when he's in the crypts at 2 a.m. Nobody, nobody's watching him like, oh, look at that. He is, he's super bulked right now. Oh, what a crazy fight. 
yeah, so I I get it. So I guess there's nobody really knows what their true potential is. But like, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure if I knew somebody had like extra human strength back in the day, no matter how cocky I was with a sword, I don't think I'd be like, oh, girl can't do nothing to me. Oh, you're just a stupid witcher, and everybody see like even the stupid people seem to do that. Well, that's where I I had one thing that <clears throat> I mean depends on if you want to get into it. I'm not going to go too deep on it, but. I had written, written a note called Bottom Ger- of the ocean. Geralt's agency, why it bugs me and why it's important. So what I mean by that is what is he able to do? So in, in the beginning of this chapter, when we were in the voice of reason framing chapter, there's those two knights that come up and basically tell Geralt to leave because their Lord Duke Prince uh, Harivard <laughs> Um, the Lord Duke Prince, you know, says he's got to go, and that brings up something that I hate in in like Game of Thrones and in any fantasy story that, I mean, the, you got to have it, but like this whole fealty shit, where it's like the king says you got to go, so you got to go. I hate that political garbage where you have to follow whatever the big guy says, and I feel like Geralt kind of falls in line with this stuff. He knows he's better than all these people. He knows he could kill all these people. And he does throw it in their face a little bit, being like, hey, kind of challenges them a little bit. But at the end of the day, he still has to obey their rules. And I just think it's such a bummer. Why is it? That's because he doesn't pick sides. You just said it five times. He doesn't pick sides. He lets the politics be played by the kings and queens. And then also he doesn't want armies after him and stuff like that. True. He knows. He knows. You gotta play like, the. You gotta you know, play the game a little bit. He's either gotta kill every single person that's that's attached to that king and queen that could that could rule an army against him. Because like he doesn't. That just takes a whole afternoon. I bet you killing ten thousand guys would take him at least a week. <laughs> we have to plan that. Like that's what he's not looking forward It'd to. Take he's a like, long think ass about time. how much work that is. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a lot like, of heads nah, you gotta chop off. I mean, until the that's hunt. a lot of running. It's a lot of running. You know, yeah. you know Attila the Hun. Um, you got to have a horse, though. He, oh, he has a horse. Uh-oh. He's got rope. Maybe he could kill 10,000 guys. The, there, there's this whole story where Attila the Hun had, like, captured these uh, these other tribes in that region. And he – or I don't know if he was going after the Chinese at that point. But basically he uh, told his men to slaughter the entire village of, like, 5,000 people. And I guess it took them, like, a week. They just kind of lined them up and then just – Walked one up, chopped off their head. Walked the next one up, chopped off their head. They had to switch guys out because they were getting tired from chopping off heads. Like, it is actual. It does take yeah. time. Yeah. Well, we got to sharpen another sword. You got a pile of just swords that are just yep. bent. Dull. Crazy. Imagine being, imagine being like the 19th guy in a row with the same sword. Be like, bro, can you switch to like a nice sharp axe, please? Yeah. I want this to be Let's done get quick, that. bro. Chow, 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 chow. And I mean, back in the day, I guess that was it too. It was like whoever the boss was, you just had to listen to him. I just, I just hate that stuff. And that's why I like fantasy stories because you see characters like Geralt where even though he does go along with it, sometimes you get to see him kind of talk back at it, um, outsmart it. And we do see in, in, I don't know if it's the next one. But you know what it is? You know what that's like though? That's like real life. Imagine, well, James Bond. This basically, like, you could just transport this to take it out of fantasy and put it into another fantasy that's more realistic. Yep. So James Bond doesn't go around 
saying fuck you to all the governments, right? But he's still a I do what I want kind of guy. Still James Bond. He gets the job done. However, he License needs to get to the job kill. done. Right. Okay. But he still doesn't throw a finger everywhere because he likes staying at nice hotels and he yeah. likes staying. Like I imagine girls the same way. Like he likes the the amenities that come with civilization. Yeah. Yeah, and the kingdoms have set up. So if he just goes around and starts killing people, I mean, this isn't Assassin's Creed. That's this true. Isn't a video he gets game. his money from those people. Yeah. Like those so are the people like, that are like, hey, here's off. Yeah. Especially if a king's dumb and is really rich and has a lot of monsters in his area. Like, yeah, man, that king might be dumb as shit, but you know, he's not gonna be like, Hey, I'm gonna kill you. What <laughs> like, yeah. that'd be that'd serve no purpose for him. So it's more it's more than just him like like being lazy or not sticking up for what he is. I think it's like he needs to have an income and he needs to be able to stay somewhere and you know, the edge of the world is only like a, what, 15-minute ride in the video game, so. <laughs> is it? No, I don't know. I, the maps are very big when it comes to games versus, I mean, they're big, but I have no idea if they can, how big their world is, their charted maps in The Witcher. Do, the, do they call him the Butcher of Blaviken in the games? Yeah, yeah. The townspeople yell at you. Can you go to Blaviken in the games? Uh I don't know about one. Because he's not allowed there. He's not allowed there anymore. Caldemain said. Allowed there. I think you can probably ride your horse through. People get really pissed. <laughs> Just like, hey guys, <laughs> fuck you, Caldemain. Fuck you, Caldemain. Like all you that should, girl. Uh, three was on sale. Three was on sale on Steam. Oh, I got it, dude. I got it. Yeah, it was on sale. a wild hunt. Did you start playing it? Nope. I have it downloaded. Ooh. I'm ready. Got to finish Ooh. this book first. I'll re-download it and play it with you. I'll start over. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now that little Johnny is going to be your favorite. Little Johnny. Little Johnny. Okay. Just don't be don't be shy. Don't be scared. Don't be shy. I'm concerned that it's going to be too hard. Cuz like play it, play it on the easiest setting. No joke. Okay. No joke. Otherwise, I just I think you might not enjoy it. Because for me it was like there's a lot of video game to it that I put in about 80 hours and I got to the very first island, like the very next place where you got to save up like 10,000 coin to get off and take a ship. That's kind of the threshold. You got to do X amount of quests. I did everything on that first place and it took me like 50 hours to do. Uh, that's totally going to be me too. I'm going to do all the side so quests. Set it, to, set it to the easiest setting and if it's too easy, go up a level. But I would just do that because if you go anywhere harder, it's you're going to take you're going to die from wolves and shit until you figure out how to, you know, block. Dude, I'm going right? to love going through the map. Like, the map's the same, right? It's the same world. Yeah. Just going yeah. through that map and going to these places that we've read stories from and stuff like that and, like, actually the know. Are surprisingly very good. Very good. Cutscenes and all that. It's it's cool. I think you get to pick what his hair looks like and all that kind of fun stuff if he has a Sweet. beard. All that kind of stuff, yeah. And his armor. Give him, like, Gotta a sick-ass top knot. Do, like, you know, seven samples. You can. Now. You can. Yeah. Kids. Cool. Well, or I'm looking bald. forward to it. Um, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, want to just remind you guys if uh, you want to help support us or whatever, um, just subscribe to the channel or leave a remark on iTunes, the podcast feed. You know, we've only got like one review and it's from me. So if we can get like <laughs> one more, that'd be really awesome. Um, and be sure to check out some of, uh, Don's brother's music. We got the links in the description below. He actually just released, was it a new album or a new single? Did you see that? I have no idea what he does anymore. Yeah, I got I'm thinking, I think it's a new album that he wants to do. 
is it the uh, Jamberries? Jamberries, I think. Yeah, it's a new album, I believe. Yeah, it's yep. it's cool. Um, it, it's is that all? Um, what do you call it? Uh, not Jamberries. It's actually called something like, you know, uh, gosh, whose line is it anyway? What is that called? Improv. It was called like yeah. Improvocation or something like that. Oh, I don't know if that's a single uh, or an album, but yeah, I know so what you're talking it, about. I saw it, that it came album. off when I listened to it. It sounded like it was just like an improv session. Most where, likely. Where they're was. just jamming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And it's really cool. So check that out, guys. Um, his music's available on iTunes and all that, but uh, it's definitely worth a listen to. So uh, with that, uh, thank you very much for joining me, Don. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to Random Book Club Podcast.